0: Hello and welcome back to Lutheran Witness Podcast. Here on the Lutheran Witness Podcast, we read for you the articles shared on the Lutheran Witness website. That's witness.lcms.org. You can read the entire article there if you prefer. Otherwise, enjoy hearing us read it to you so you can listen to it while you're in your car or doing whatever you're doing. The uh, podcast is underwritten by KFUO.org. We want to thank them for their support and enabling us to do this podcast. Visit them at KFUO.org. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Please support the work they're doing over there. It's a great treasure to the church. Our article today is written by Anna Musman, and it's titled Fast Before You Feast. Now, before we dive into it, I want to mention Anna has written an absolutely delightful article for the January issue, male and female, he created them. So if you don't have a subscription to The Lutheran Witness, you need to get one now. CPH.org/slash/witness. You need to get one now because she's got a fantastic article that looks at how popular culture, in particular, cartoon movies, have reflected on fathers, in particular. It's a delightful article. Uh, visit CPH.org/slash/witness to sub- to subscribe. Also, want to note that Katie Shurman has con- is continuing her series of stories from the Anthems of Zion universe, the Anthems of Zion world, and uh, she's telling these stories in the pages of the Lutheran Witness, and you can only get it in next year, the entire year, uh, next year's Lutheran Witness. So visit cph.org slash witness uh, cph.org/witness to subscribe and get your copy today. You can let them know you want your subscription to start in January, so make sure you do that so that you can get uh, Katie's stories. So uh, on to our article for today, Fast Before You Feast by Anna Musman. In Little House on the Prairie, Laura Ingalls Wilder describes a Christmas from her childhood on the American frontier. Young Laura and her sister, Mary, go sadly to bed on Christmas Eve, knowing their family will have no Christmas presents. Yet in the morning, their sadness has turned to joy. A neighbor has risked his life to ford the swollen Creek in freezing weather to bring them gifts from Santa Claus. In their stockings, the girls receive a shiny tin cup, a stick of candy, a small cake, and a penny. They are amazed at the abundance. Although the two children do not understand why the adults are almost crying, they do know there had never been such a Christmas. By modern standards, the Ingalls family possesses very little, yet wealth is relative. Prosperity does not necessarily make one grateful. Just as often, an abundance of good things fools us into believing we deserve everything we have and just a little bit more too. It tempts us to make gods of our lusts and desires." No wonder, then, that mainstream culture associates the big American holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas with gluttony, debt, stress, and pressure. We bemoan the clutter and belly fat we already have while consuming more. Perhaps one reason we struggle with feast days is that we no longer fast. It reminds me of a scene from Pixar's 2004 movie The Incredibles. A mother tells her young son that everyone is special, and he retorts, which is another way of saying no one is. The days of our year have reached a similar state. Every day is a feast, and we are too satiated to truly enjoy our Christmas cookies. In contrast, Christians have historically centered life around the seasons of the church year, fasting and feasting in turn. The fasts of the church year are not the same as going on a diet. They are not just another thing to do, because they are not about us. They invite us to submit our wills and appetites to a larger pattern outside of ourselves. They remind us of Jesus and his good gifts. Through them, we act out a lectionary that teaches us about our Lord's birth, death, and resurrection. These facts are just as relevant to us today as to Christians of the past. For the last few years, my family has tried to keep the fasts of Advent and Lent. Both seasons create opportunities for memorable customs. We love our Advent wreath, but ultimately, they are about repentance and waiting. Blessedly, they are about doing less— instead of focusing on our wants we wait for christmas we wait for easter we wait for jesus while we wait we fast different families fast in different ways for us christmas brunch is important so during advent we prepare simpler breakfasts some years we eat oatmeal every morning citrus fruits are out of season until winter and often i wait until christmas to buy grapefruits and cuties i hold off on restocking the ice cream we do not eat much dessert we do not play christmas music If the children need new clothes but aren't actually naked, I often wait to give them replacements. We do not fast in these ways to earn brownie points with God or because we live under the law. We do it in excitement. During this time of preparation, we get ready to feast because we know our Lord has come and will come again. Yes, Advent is a time of waiting, but it is also a time to stock the freezer with homemade lasagna. It's a time to bake huge batches of Christmas cookies, some to give away and some to freeze for later. It is a time to tuck a nice bottle of wine and some classy chocolates into the pantry. This rhythm of fasting and feasting helps us hunger for both physical and spiritual good things. It gives us room to truly celebrate, rejoice, and eat cookies. When Christmas finally comes, we find we do not need excess to recognize the day as special. Even cute new socks and grapefruit become something to relish. This is a blessing because I love gift-giving, but I also want my children to rejoice over small gifts as easily as large ones. I want us to give gifts as a reflection of Christ's love, rather than because we structure our lives around the giving and getting of new possessions. Parents are often hesitant to pull back from the big American holiday customs. What if the children do not understand? What if they cry? What if they think mom and dad are the Grinch? In my experience, the buy-in of children to the idea of fasting depends on how parents present it. No one, child or adult, is wooed by negativity. When parents are heavy-handed in rejecting the premature Christmas of the world because it is bad, children eventually rebel. However, when parents are joyfully pursuing what is good, children come along. Be confident. Be cheerful. If the children ask for candy during Lent, smile at them. Tell them, we don't need that candy. We are going to have a much yummier cake on Easter. Fortunately, the rhythms of the church year are good teachers, and your children will learn by experiencing them. Let the kids stay up late to attend a special seasonal evening church service, light Advent candles, fill out a Lenten calendar, learn seasonal hymns, embrace the idea that your family is weird, out of step with the world, and unite it around a common purpose. Children crave belonging, and the church year connects them not only to you, but also to other Christians throughout time. We modern Americans live in a prosperous time and place. Often our prosperity makes it harder to recognize our need for God. This is one of the great temptations of our time, yet we are not alone. God has preserved his church through periods of poverty and periods of plenty, through times of triumph and through times of persecution. He is with us today. For that, I am grateful and we are grateful that you took this opportunity to listen to this article from Anna Musman on fasting and feasting we hope it helps you as you prepare during lent and or during advent and the upcoming lent uh, here in a few months uh, thank you for taking the time to listen and to learn. Make sure you visit cph.org witness to subscribe and get your copy of the Luther Witness in print, as well as our, our website, witness.lcms.org to learn even more. The Luther Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.